Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. This interview I did with my good friend Mike Green in Brooklyn when I was living in New York briefly. We did this at Atrex Fool's Gold Store in Brooklyn. You guys probably all know who he is, but he's a Canadian DJ. He blew up in the turntable world by being the youngest, I think the youngest turntable like world champion winner since then he's developed careers with Kid Cudi, Danny Brown, Floss and he was also part of the duo Duck Sauce with Armin van Helden. He was nominated for a Grammy in 2012 for their song Barbara Streisand. He was also featured on the covers of Billboard, Complex and has appeared in campaigns for Adidas, Grey Goose, Converse and Cadillac. Hope you guys enjoy this one. Really cool to see in his mind how he got to where he is. Love you guys. Was it something in the Canadian water that would cause for both you and your brother to be involved with the music scene and, and see the success you have? I mean, Canada is very big, so <laughs> I think there's more factors <laughs> to me and Dave making music than like the second largest country on earth. Um, respect to Russia for being bigger. <laughs> I think um, I think it's always I think in the arts there's always a combination of of you know some sort of uh, born with it predisposition kind of thing mm-hmm. mixed with um, you know contextual stuff yeah. time and place and putting in work. Yeah, what about... You know what I mean? So, like, I think, you know, Dave and I always grew up close. So, like, whatever he was into, I was into. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the older brother, and when I was, like, nine and stuff, I'd hang out with him and his friends. They were 13, you know? Yeah. They were discovering Jimi Hendrix and Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and Frank Zappa or whatever. I was, so I was listening to that, mm-hmm. you know, when I was nine and so on. Um, and I think, uh, and, you know, he, he picked up the guitar pretty early on, and I wanted to figure, to find my instrument in mm-hmm. a sense. And I, you know, I tried scratching one day, mm-hmm. and then there, there comes in that sort of X factor where like most people try scratching one day on their dad's record player, and just like mess up the needle or the needle skips or something. It just sounds like shit for most people. Mm-hmm. When I tried, it sounded okay. <laughs> you know, from there, from there on, I just kept practicing, you know, every day and and got better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's like, you know, neither our parents are musicians, but I think our parents definitely encourage the arts in mm-hmm. some way. Yeah, well, that's what I was yeah. going to ask. Did your, did your family, aside from Dave, did mm-hmm. they factor into, you know, your, your rise and, and kind of... I just appreciate my parents for their support and for, you know, putting us in an environment that probably helped open our, our, our minds when we were young, mm-hmm. in a sense, you know? Both my parents studied literature, and I don't think they did anything completely out of the ordinary with when we were kids, but, you know, I think any parent should take their kids to the museum mm-hmm. and play a lot of music at the house yeah. and have open conversations about everything, current events, mm-hmm. you know, regularly. Yeah. I think that helps open a kid's mind, mm-hmm. you know, so that's the setting that we grew up in and, um, and Dave and I just had a passion for music and we, maybe we kind of fueled each other, mm-hmm. you know, because we definitely encouraged each other. So that's it. Where did he kind of say, "I want to pick up the like, I want to pick up the guitar"? 
He so just had, he figured out the guitar that he, like he found the guitar as his as his instrument early mm-hmm. on. I think he was nine. Yeah. Our grandmother uh, got got him guitar lessons uh, as like a Hanukkah present or something, mm-hmm. or a birthday something. Yeah. I forget what. So he got lessons, um, and he stuck with it for years. You mm-hmm. know? Did your your grandma provide that creative outlet? Um, if she was the one who I'm not, kind I of started remember, this, I was I was even younger then, so I don't remember what what was like the background of that present Mm -hmm. whose idea it was you know it's a lucky Hanukkah guest yeah I guess yeah but he found the guitar early on I played the piano for a few years but I wasn't yeah I was gonna ask about that because I read that yeah I wasn't really good I was okay like I I definitely I feel like I was playing the piano and was I like my my head was like my eye was looking out the window kind of thing. Like yeah. I was trying to, f- I wanted to do something else. Mm-hmm. And I tried scratching, and I figured out the possibilities of scratching and the fact that you can you can grab any sample on a turntable. You grab a sample of a trumpet, and you essentially are a trumpet player. You yeah. grab a vocal sample, and you're a vocalist. Like that whole like limitless side mm-hmm. to what you could do with records. My mind exploded. Yeah, or especially back then when it wasn't as easy to come by. Whereas yeah. now you have the internet and you can just easily download a sample. You can kind yeah. of just buy a drum kit. I'm sure I would have been happy to have easier <laughs> access. That was the tough part of growing up in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Was that I mean I wouldn't say it was tough, but like you know I definitely had to dig a little deeper to have information. Mm-hmm. Just information. What the hell does a DJ actually do? Yeah. I was 13. What did I know? Well, how was the the underground scene in Montreal? Was it was there? dope. It was dope. The the music scene in Montreal was dope. Mm-hmm. Um, Montreal is like a crossroads kind of city. Yeah. You know, everybody knows people speak French there. And just the fact, well, because of that, you know, the, like the hip hop scene exists in two languages. There's mm-hmm. a French rap scene, there's an English rap scene, and it's like, there's neighborhoods and, yeah. you know, that in itself makes it pretty complex. And there's influence of Europe for music, like people making French rap would listen to French rap from France. Mm-hmm. That was an influence in itself. You would have acts that would come in and perform, DJ, rap, yeah. blah, 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 from overseas. Then you had the American influence too, and the you know, English speaking Canada influence yeah. as well. So there's really good secondhand record shops. Mm-hmm. There's a good nightlife scene. There's a bunch of universities, so there's, there's a bunch of kids, like a bunch yeah. of youth. Um, so it's, it's a fertile ground. Yeah. For, cre- for creativity, it really is. Yeah. It's dope. Anybody that visits Montreal is like, oh shit, this is different. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like New Orleans to me. It's one of those cities that's just yeah. so vibrant. Like, literally, comparison. you walk through you and it's like sensory overload. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, it, it because it's kind of like in the middle ground, it has both the European aspect where, where yeah. people were going crazy over the electronic music back yeah. then. And on the other side, it, in America, they were going crazy over hip hop. Yeah, because so the, the thing is, like, everybody talks about how EDM is like a newer thing and that electronic music only broke in America in the last, I don't know, four years or so. Mm-hmm. For the most part, that's true. But in Montreal, we had techno clubs and, we, you know, we had yeah. house music, we had all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I wasn't into it. I didn't give a shit about electronic <laughs> music until, you know, 2005. Yeah. I, was, I was a hip-hop head. Yeah. But it was there and I kind of knew it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd, say, I'd say even later than 2005, but we'll, we'll get into that in a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my uh, answer. <laughs> Is there any particular musician from your childhood that you or your parents listened to, or, or your brother for that matter, that affects how you created and how you create today? I mean, I have too many influences. Is there like like one like sole individual or group or artist or? Mm. 
that really influenced like the whole span of my career? Um, sure. It doesn't have to be the whole span. It can be like, the from the out, like from the uh, from the onset, like yeah. the beginning. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, it was it was a couple guys. In the beginning, see, I I got into scratching in like '95. Yeah. So like it was a combination of like Pete Rock and Premier, because I would hear scratching on their records, and mm-hmm. they were the kings of current yeah. hip hop. It was a little bit of Jazzy Jeff, even though his music was a little older, but. Everybody knew who he was, and yeah. he, was, his, he was just so dope. He, he influenced me for a long time. Um, and then I discovered Qbert mm-hmm. and some of the, you know, like the really advanced scratch guys. Yeah. And like that, that combination, in the early years when I was just really learning hip-hop, DJing, and scratching, it was, it was kind of like, it was that combination. Mm-hmm. Was, there, was there anyone local that you kind of competed with or scratched with? Or? Yeah, a little bit. So my brother used to have a college radio show. Um, and when there was the 96 Montreal DMC competition, mm-hmm. which is the year before I entered, yeah. at that point I had been scratching just in the bedroom for like maybe six months or, you know, less than a year. My brother had his radio show. He, had, he invited two of the guys that played, like two of the top three winners mm-hmm. of the Montreal battle to his radio show. And he yeah. told me, like, yo, come to the show. Like, meet these kids. Like, these guys are, like, these, these are the guys you're trying to be like. Mm-hmm. And so there was this, there was, um, this guy called DJ Devious, local Montreal DJ. He had placed third in the battle. He became really helpful. He was like almost 10 years older than me because I was 14, you know? But we would link up and jam and he showed me certain things that I'd never seen. Just like he had a mixer that was better than my mixer. He had all the DMC videotapes. Um, you, know, he, you know, he had footage of when this or that DJ had come through to Montreal for a show you know, a little handicap footage. Yeah. To me, that was gold. Um, and Kid Koala, who was still known, mm-hmm. you know, great DJ, was one of those DJs uh, as well. I met him then, and I stayed in touch with him for years, and he taught me a bunch of stuff too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. I was 14, and I met some of the best DJs in the city, and they really took me in. I was really lucky, because I think in the early years of my career, there's a lot of very established DJs that kind of took me under their wing. Mm-hmm. And I learned everything by myself, but just just by, by osmosis, just by being there, you know? Um, I still picked up on some things. And, uh, and honestly, even just in terms of like outlook on life and shit, like the fact that those guys were cool with me rather than trying to keep me down kind of yeah. thing, the fact that they were welcoming, that... That was huge to me. I think about this that shit to this day, you mm-hmm. know, just in terms of mentorship. Yeah. Because I'm in a part of my life now where that's important. Mm-hmm. I'm 33, and like, I've been DJing for almost 20 years. Yeah. That's shit that I think about that, about like, okay, when I was coming up and I met this guy who was my idol, mm-hmm. how did that affect me? Yeah. How did that encourage me? Was there anything good or bad about it? And it was, it's so, it was so positive. It's like it's literally like my duty to do that to people mm-hmm. now, you know? Well, is there anyone that, that you have met that you've kind of learned um has there been anyone that that you've met that's kind of taught you something about yourself that you might not have known in the past yeah i'm sure in different ways and here's the thing is like i always tell people you know when people ask me like hey what's some advice for someone coming up i always say you got to figure out what makes you you mm-hmm. and put that into your art because yeah. there's too many DJs out there mm-hmm. you, gotta, you gotta like have a you gotta figure out your identity yeah and like I became friends with this guy Peanut Butter Wolf when I was pretty young when I was like 15 I like that name yeah 
He runs Stone's Throw Records. Okay. Great hip hop record. They put out all the Mad Lib stuff, you know? A lot of Dilla stuff. Really, like, one of the best labels. And he's also a great DJ. And, and I was 15, I, I met this dude, maybe 16. And he was, like, almost 10 years older than me, too. But I was, he lived in San Fran at the time. Then he moved to L.A. When I'd go to one of those cities, I would stay at his crib. He had this great record collection. He would show me samples. He'd be like, hey, this is the record that DJ Premier sampled on. Group Home. This is this. This is that. This is, this is the, you know, funny, like, electro breakdancing group that Dr. Dre was in before he started doing gangster rap. Mm -hmm. You know, here he is wearing spandex. Like, just knowing the culture. And, like... This, when I think about my friendship with that dude, with Pina Butterwolf, you know, he's someone... There's a, by the way, sidebar, there's a documentary on Stone's Throw that's out now that you guys, that everybody should watch. It's really dope. And, like, that movie shows that he has this kind of off-kilter personality. You know, he's a character, borderline weirdo, but awesome dude. And, like, I think guys like him helped me tap into my inner weirdo in a sense, too. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think that's really important and awesome because when you put, when you accept the parts of your personality that are different yeah. and then you inevitably you're more comfortable with that so you start putting that in your in your music in your mm -hmm. art so maybe your artwork's a little funny or maybe you make a song and there's something that has character in yeah. it that's so important mm -hmm. you know so I would credit him in part for some of that for like just me tapping into like just the goofball in me and just like putting that in my work yeah so how did that kind of all evolve into, and we're going like throwbacks now, like Obscure Disorder with you and your brother? Obscure Disorder was pretty simple. Dave was, um, Dave started producing these three guys who went to high school with him. Mm -hmm. They were rappers. And then I, I just de facto became the DJ. Yeah. So that's what Obscure Disorder was, was a local Montreal rap group, which in fact was three guys that went to school with Dave and I was a couple grades younger and I was mm -hmm. the DJ. And, but that was... You know, that was a huge part of the come up for me and Dave because we figured out part of the blueprint with that. Mm -hmm. We started our first record label, yep. Audio Research, to put out those records. We got a distribution deal with Fat Beats, which was like the illest way to put out, you know, underground hip hop at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just kind of gave us this, it helped us develop this entrepreneurship that I don't think we even knew we had. Um, and this mentality of like we could do anything we set our minds to which like mm -hmm. I, you know I don't, I don't mean to sound like the back of a Hallmark card but it's true and like it's even more true now that the internet makes things so accessible mm -hmm. so like just that sort of DIY you know approach to making and releasing music that's like the DNA of what I've done ever since then yeah. and started with that project mm -hmm. yeah that's cool um so an artist's music is typically a, typically a reflection of themselves in one form or another. What does your music say about you? What does my music say about me? Uh, it probably says that I'm a little indecisive because I make so many <laughs> kinds of music. Mm -hmm. I can never just pick one thing in life. Well, like I mean, you yeah. don't want to ask me to pick a restaurant. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, so going back from, like, the Dirty South days to, like, yeah. the recent, like, um, release of, like, We All Fall Down. Like, it, yeah. it, you've come from, like, such, there, such like, a line of, of refinage to where you are now. Sure. Um, and thank you. I think, the, I think the, 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 you know, the lineage through a lot of that music that I've done over the years is, like, I like um, cross-pollination, you know? Mm -hmm. I like these kind of hybrid 
art projects. You know, I like something that's not just one thing. I like something that's more than the sum of its parts. And a lot mm -hmm. of the music that I make has mixed influences and, you know, just the characteristics of my ear and by extension my personality maybe are, you know, are the sort of combining attributes. Yeah. You know, so you could listen to, you know, Piss Test, which is a rap song I did with Juicy J and, and Danny Brown, and then you can listen to, like, literally like a remix I did for Alesso, and on paper it looks like different worlds. Mm -hmm. But when you listen to it, you're like, oh yeah, this is the same guy. Yeah. Because there's these little idiosyncrasies mm -hmm. that tie it together. Yeah, they all, they all stem from the same root of the tree and they kind of evolved. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you've come to be known as, as a visionary in the industry with, with the, the change of sounds that, that you've come through yeah. over the years. Um, in your Hot 97 interview you did a few months ago, you said that Young Thug was like the next sound yeah. and evolving from there. So, where do you think we're going to go next? Who's next? Yeah. Dude, just look at the upcoming releases on Full School and follow that with the Bible, my man. <laughs> that's, where, that's how we sign shit. Yeah. I think, you know, in a more general sense, you know, something that's been going on for a few years that still is continuing is this sort of breaking down the genre barriers. Mm -hmm. You know, so like, it's just the sounds are mixing up. Yeah. You know, I think the big main stage festival EDM sound is kind of breaking down. Mm -hmm. I think that sonics of electronic music are going into everything around it. So now you have like futuristic sounding, like really electronic pop, you know, and that's really interesting. Like there's a big sense of melody right now. All, a lot of the music that's working now is very melodic. It's very open sounding. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not this like really condensed pounding music. It's yeah. really open and melodic music. House is really popular right now. Like just traditional kind of house but updated um, and at the same time I think there's a lot of creativity in rap which is great mm -hmm. how do you feel about the whole about bridging the gap between the two I think that it's kind of happening already yeah. you know I think I think there's a lot of production in hip hop mm -hmm. that sounds very adventurous now yeah you know when it's like rap kind of broke free from the traditionalist tropes mm -hmm. you know and I, I see, you know, a lot of the most daring and weird sounding rap beats are made by like 20 year old dudes in Atlanta on a PC. Yeah. And I go and work with those guys. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the project Low Pros that I did with Lex Luger and a bunch of other producers, a lot of that was like just a cool experience of me going down to the south and going in the studio and calling up Metro Boom and, and Sunny Digital and a bunch of these guys and be like, hey, come through, here's the address. Yeah. And we all make beats together. And like, they don't those guys aren't slowed down by this idea that there's rules of what they can and can't do. Mm -hmm. You know, because for a long time, hip-hop was governed by really rigid rules. Yeah. You couldn't wear pants that were tighter than this, <laughs> and you couldn't talk about insecurity, and your drums had to be sampled from a drum break between the years of 1960 to 1972. And so, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was just so rigid, and now it's just like anything goes, and... Being a weirdo, you know, it, in part thanks to guys like Kid Cudi and, and the like, being a weirdo is a cool thing. Mm -hmm. And that, that encourages creativity, so I yeah. love that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a, a form of expression. Yeah. You know, um, and then last question, what's something you've learned from collaborating and working with so many individuals from, from you know, Daft Punk to, to Kanye? Um, I think, hmm, that's a good question. 
I'd say what I've learned from collaborating so much is just that uh, everyone has something to offer. Mm-hmm. There's something about like something about making music with someone that first time you try it, it kind of it's it can be testing for your own confidence because mm-hmm. none of us know how to do everything yeah. in the studio, you know. But there's this idea nowadays, like there's been this whole controversy around post producers, quote unquote, and all this stuff. And there's this kind of naive conception that every producer is supposed to know how to do the whole you know alpha to omega process of mm-hmm. a song and if there's another songwriting songwriter credited on your song you've got explanations to give and shit and that's not really true yeah. you know um and i'm not saying that i'm I don't, i'm not saying that everyone should accept those producers like i think everyone should be credited and I think there's a lot of people that work with other producers who aren't supposed producers but th- to go back to my original point I was saying that like if you're thinking about going in the studio with someone and um, maybe it's a little intimidating because you're like well what if I get to that uh, hurdle in, that I face when I make music by myself where I'm trying to come up with chords and I can't fully come up with the chords and you know I'm not that good at playing chords I think. Mm-hmm. And the, the reality is when you work with someone it's all about tapping into figuring out your strengths and weaknesses and making the most out of that. Mm-hmm. And being okay with your weaknesses in, in the lab. Being like, hey, by the way, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't have the best chord theory. Yeah. But my drums are sick. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then you can get up with someone and, the, you know, what you work on together, you try to like cover the grounds that maybe the other person doesn't have the same way and yeah. come up with something even greater. So that's what's awesome to me with collaboration. Yeah. I mean, I, I think of it as kind of like an open just art canvas where yeah. everyone's just like throwing their own paint and yeah. And it's comes cool out. there's a point where you're like, you can maybe like, and it's, it's funny with, between producers slash DJs is that it's literally like sitting at a laptop, mm-hmm. you know, so you can, there's a point where you just pass the guy the chair. Yeah. You can sit down for like a half hour and program your hi-hats or something, and then there's a point where you're like, all right, what are you hearing? Mm-hmm. You know? But other times it could be one guy at the computer the whole time and the other guy just kind of like giving ideas and playing references and humming stuff, and that could work too. Mm-hmm. And part of, maybe one last thought on this, is like a big part of like learning how to, you know, create these things, whether it be a song or anything, other form of art, there's also this idea of, like, knowing when it's done. Yeah. You know, because working on Duck Sauce with Armand Van Helden, a big part of Armand's gift, I think, he's got this awesome sense of, like, hey, this is it. You know, like, maybe... Like, anybody that makes a beat knows that, like, there's, there's a part in the process where you have, like, three different drum patterns or three versions of something. And he's the guy that'll be like, no, no, this is the one. You sure? And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's it. And then we'll work on like work on the whole song, and I'll be thinking like, yo, but what if we add this, and what if we add that? What if? And he'll just come in and be like, now the song's done. <laughs> and I, and it'll like it'll like sit me down for a second. I'll be like, really? And we'll listen to it. And he's right. Inevitably, he's right. So like something about collaborating also is just like trying to you. There's a point after a while where where you can internalize. Mm-hmm that sort of sensor yeah you know then you have the sensor yeah I mean just based on that it seems like everyone needs an, needs an arm in, in their life it, yeah yeah <laughs> Armand's great yeah cool cool